Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Just do me a favor for a moment. Just close your eyes. I just keep sensing God. I Sometimes when God does a work, He does it in the deep spiritual parts of our lives that we don't realize He's doing work. And sometimes when we don't see it or we don't even feel it, God is actually working in your life. Just for a moment with every eye closed, I just believe that, I just really feel strongly that the Lord wants to come even right now and just begin to do some some deep work. Some of you in the room have been struggling even in your faith. I just feel this prophetic thought for some of you today that you've been struggling in your faith. There's been some doubt. Some doubt about some real big things, some real major issues in your walk with the Lord. You've been struggling in your walk with Him, feeling as though maybe you're not quite in the place that you used to be and you're confused a little bit and you're not sure what to do. There's answers, that questions you have that no one can give you answers to. Sometimes the Bible doesn't even give a clear answer and it causes confusion. I just believe God wants to come right now and just begin to restore the joy of your salvation. He wants to go down in the deep roots of your heart and He wants to come even right now and bring you back to your first love in the moment that you met Him. Do you remember the time? Do you remember the moment that that happened when you were standing in that, whether it was a prayer meeting or it was a church service or maybe you were standing in line at a Black Friday sale or maybe you're in your car or maybe you just got after fighting with your, your parents, your spouse and the Holy Spirit came and He ministered to you and you were singing a song maybe in the, the, the radio or reading the scripture and the Holy Spirit came and despite your failure and despite your conduct and despite your areas of life that you failed in, the Holy Spirit came and He came right into that place and He just lavished His love upon your life. Do you remember what that felt like when you met Jesus when you didn't think about theology and doctrine and you didn't think about the areas of life that you didn't understand but all you could think about was the love and the grace and the generosity and the care of a loving father who loves you just the way that you are and he cherishes his moments with you and Every time he's around you and you acknowledge his existence and you begin to worship him, it just makes the proud dad's heart swell with such love and compassion, just exuberant desire to say, oh my gosh, I love my child. Do you remember when you first felt that? God wants to come right now and take all of those questions and those doubts and maybe even not even knowing how to go to the next level, the next place with God. You've been frustrated, you've been upset because you've kind of experienced it and now you want more but you don't know how to get more. I just pray a simple prayer right now. Father, I just pray that you would come like a loving Father. Holy Spirit, you would come right now and you would bring them back to that moment. That spot. That, that time, that season of life where you met them for the first time. Well, just for a moment, let your mind go there. Just for a moment, just close your eyes and let your mind go there for a second. Let your heart Release your heart a little bit tonight. Jesus loves you so much and he cares so much and he gave so much that you would experience freedom in your life. That you would no longer live in bondage. You would no longer have confusion or fear. Lord, I pray right now, God, that you would come and that you would bring them back to the place, Lord, where their first moment they met you. And the Lord, that you would restore 
the joy of their salvation. Restore the joy of their salvation. But I pray it again. Would you restore? Would you repair? Would you make new? Would you bring back to its original place the joy of their salvation? Come on, place your hand on your heart tonight. I don't want to pray for your heart. But I just pray for every heart in this place. I pray for the hard hearts in the room, those who just have a hard heart. Just because of life circumstances or situations, God, you've caused, there's been a hardness due to life. I pray even right now, God, that you would come and your love would soften that heart. For those in the room, God, who have a heart with all sorts of weeds and thorns and thistles and brokenness and pain, God, we pray, Father, you would come right now and you would be a loving Father and you would gently care for them and walk them through this season that they're in. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, right now that you would cause their heart to be so full of your love, to be so full of your generosity and your grace, that as they leave here tonight, God, they would sense that, okay, I'm on this journey back to where I once was in my walk with God. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We love you. We call you Dad. We love you, Dad. <laughs> we love you, Jesus. We love you, Father. And I pray as we continue tonight, God, just in the sweet spirit that's here, that as we study your word tonight, God, that you would just come and you would bring there, let there be a radical passion for Jesus Christ when we leave this place. In the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Come on, everybody said? Amen. Come on, you can be seated tonight. Come on, let's give James and Alana a hand. We're doing such a great job. These guys... Uh, went to Mexico last week and uh, flew in on Saturday and bolted to church and came right in and led worship last week. And so I just want to say thank you to these guys for doing such an incredible job. Uh, I, I often want to honor them because, you know, um, you know, we, 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 we serve on Sundays and, you know, different things, which are amazing signs set up. And we look at all this pipe and drape. I heard someone say last week, and all this pipe and drape, they're like, oh, pipe and drape. <laughs> like, oh, who's going to set that up? <laughs> I said, oh, we will for a while, but we're going to develop a team who's going to do that. But we think about all the different things that happen around this room and this church and groups and all the things we do. And, uh, you know, it's easy to forget that there's, um, there's people who are working uh, almost a full-time job and then they feel like they're also working another full-time job at the church and a few of those folks are uh, you know obviously many of you give hours to the church uh, but James and Alana give a lot of time to the church and uh, John and Indiana give a lot of time to the church and uh, you know Indiana texts me often and says I got a, a laundry list of 25 things what don't you need this week um, and Ryan and Julie also are, are just really do an amazing job when we saw our, our um, photo wall outside and we had a few people build those things, but take a picture. But, uh, you know, and then most of all, my wife. My wife works, and then she comes home, she meets with folks, and then she plans stuff, and then she puts it with me, telling her to do a thousand things, and we do it all and get together with that person and do this thing. And this girl, like, and then she's in bed by 9 o'clock every night because she's so exhausted because I do that to her. And then she wakes up at 5 in the morning, and she's praying, and she's seeking God's face for every one of you, and she's giving me ideas. And you guys are blessed to have a pastor like that. And so I just want you to honor her for a second. You're blessed to have a pastor like her. Stephanie is not the pastor's wife. Stephanie is the pastor of this church. We do this together. And uh, she ain't my wife. She's not just the, the, the lower counterpart to my, to my greatness. <laughs> we do this together. And so she's Pastor Stephanie, and she's awesome. So I am so excited to preach a message here tonight. I don't often on Sunday mornings get to get like uh, really deep into the Word. And uh, I, I want to. Uh, but I just have to always remember that we have unbelievers in the room or people who are newer to church, and I want to make sure that I'm giving messages to, uh, to our church that are life-giving, which I hope you feel this is the case. Life-giving, challenging, encouraging, but also unbelievers can come in the room and say, like, oh, I like that a lot. That makes a lot of sense to me. So I often don't get to go, and we're going to go, we're going to do some Bible study tonight. So I hope that's okay with you. But I think if I'm going to do it on team night, we're going to go a little bit deep in the Word tonight. 
and we're just going to study the Bible. And so um, I, this is a crazy thought to say, but if you have your Bible, uh, you can turn it. We also have uh, things on the screen here, my scriptures on the screen. And what we're going to do tonight is we're just going to spend some time. We're going to break out into our, um, into our different team areas. We're going to identify our ministry, uh, our ministry leaders, our team leaders tonight. And we're going to break everybody off into their teams tonight. And we're just going to have a moment to do some prayer and just hang out together and just kind of hear about what's going on and, and kind of just give you guys a chance to kind of have our very first team huddle on a team night. Uh, but before we do that, I want to walk you through uh, today and tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning is going to be a little bit more of an inspirational message about our vision for next year. I'm going to lay out some stuff that I won't give to you now. I'm sorry. You're going to have to wait, come back tomorrow to get that. But it's going to be a very uh, inspirational thought for you. And it's going to give you something literally tangibly in your hand. You're going to walk away with something that's going to put a challenge in your court, to put the responsibility in, in your house, on your life and my life, to see God do something significant next year. I'm going to cast uh, an idea in my heart that I feel like is big. It's in our realm as a church. It's big for year three. And so we're going to expect that to ha happen. And it's going to be awesome. So I'm going to do a lot of the inspirational stuff tomorrow. Tonight, I'm going to do a little more teaching stuff. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to walk you through uh, six things that, that we are going to be as a church in 2019. The premise of my message tomorrow is to talk about in numerology, the biblical definition of the word three. What does three mean? And we're going to look at kind of two definitions of what the year three means prophetically for our church and two kind of specific things that we're going to kind of be about next year. Tonight is more about the team. Tonight is more about you. And I want people who are listening online, the team, the team who couldn't make it tonight, to hear this message because this is an internal values of who we are in 2019 as a church. And so we're going to do is we're going to walk through uh, some scripture in uh, the book of Acts. This week I did a, I've been studying in the book of Acts and God led me to a scripture that you all know. It's in Acts chapter 2 verse 47. It's found right after Peter preached this amazing message and when he preached this message he then at the end the people were so cut to the heart with what he was saying that they had to um, they, they asked what do we do? What are we supposed to do now? And Peter said well you're supposed to go and repent get water baptized, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and this is for you and your children for generations to come. And so after he said that, it says that 3,000 men, they didn't even count the women and children, so probably three to 5,000 people in that day were saved on the first day. Well, well, that's a huge church. Well, actually, then they dispersed throughout the whole world. And so they went from a large gathering to actually a small gathering, and they went into their different parts of the city around the world, and now Jesus was being represented by the local church throughout the entire world. And so what happens is, it says in Acts 2, 47, a really cool verse here, it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. This is my key thought for tomorrow morning, but today I'm going to use this as kind of a framework for four verses we're going to look at in the book of Acts. Now, the reason I think I can take you guys a little bit deeper is because my, my, my expectation here today is that you're all followers of Jesus Christ, right? That you've all uh, in a passionate relationship with the Lord, that um, if, you, if you haven't uh, become a member yet, you can do that tomorrow morning at our Next Steps class. We watched a video last time. We encourage you to come watch that video, and you say, Ryan, uh, ooh, icky, membership. Don't worry, watch the video, you'll be all right. You just watch it. But if you did not go through that video at October 24th, we really strongly encourage you right after the service, Yonsan and Marley are leading that group. Thank you, Yonsan and Marley. Let's give those guys a hand for leading that. They're going to put on a luncheon. Don't look so embarrassed. It's all right. They're going to put on a luncheon uh, for us, and they're going to show this really cool video, and then my wife and I come in and do some Q&A. So if you weren't able to be at that video, please, please, please make that a priority tomorrow after the service. Um, it'll be really great. And, uh, but, so I'm going to go a little deep tonight. So Acts 2.47 it says, uh, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Acts 6, 7. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number, a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Acts 12, 24. But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. Acts 19, 20. In the same way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. So we obviously realize something very, uh, in the get-go of these verses, the church grew. Now, I don't know what you think about churches growing. Some of you, maybe you have had bad experiences in maybe large churches, or maybe you've had bad experiences where the church goes from this organic group of people to this, you know, institutionalized group of people, and we think, oh, the church, I like it small. I like it being around, you know, 50, 60 people. I want to know everybody. Bless your heart. That's fantastic. I love that you love that, but a healthy growing church or a healthy church grows. 
The Bible talks all about that throughout the book of Acts. We see growth happening in the church. They grew by number. The word of God grew rapidly. The disciples grew a lot. And so we believe that our church is supposed to grow numerically. Not only numerically, that's just a, 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 numerically is a fruit of what God is doing in your life. So when you're serving God and you're following Jesus and you're a part of the team and you're making a difference and you're a part of a group and you're sharing Christ to your coworkers and sharing Christ to your neighborhood, you're living for God and do, what happens is people begin to be added to the local church because now they've experienced what you're experiencing and they want to be a part of it. I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot, but man, Joel, Joel and Catherine, their whole family's coming to the church now, almost. Like, you look at that and think, what's happening? It's because they're seeing something in Joel and Catherine. And they're saying, what's that? And Joel's like, why don't you come? Now they're coming. They're, his mom's been coming every week. She's going to be here tomorrow. Catherine's mom was water baptized last Sunday. I mean, that's what we see happening. When you are living a life for Jesus Christ, what happens is the local church grows. So it's not a church growth strategy. It's not like we paid $3,000 to get somebody to come in and say, well, you need to turn this and make the lights are red there and green here. No, we just be followers of Jesus Christ and the church grows. Yeah, that's right. Because you're a part of it. You're part of what God's doing. You're a part of what God's speaking. And God wants the local church to be healthy and the health, just like a young baby. If we were stayed at uh, 80 people or 90 people uh, as a two-year-old, that makes sense. But as a 10-year-old, we would have a, a health problem. Just like a child, if a child continued to not grow in, in size or grow in personality as they were 10, 12 years old, but they still look and acted and seemed like a two-year-old, we would often say, I think there's something not right in their health. So biblically, we believe right out the get-go that God has called his local church to grow. Now, I don't know what that means. I don't have this number, guys. I'm not here today to say, guys, we're going to grow next year by 10,000 people. I don't know. That's up to the Lord. But our goal is to believe that the local church is about seeing lost people saved. Yeah. Followers, lost people saved. Saved people pastored. Pastor people equipped in their spiritual gifting. And people who are equipped in their spiritual gifting making a difference for the kingdom of God. Right. Amen? Amen? So I'm going to share six things with you here this morning, or tonight, whatever day it is, whatever time it is. <laughs> and these are all surrounding around those four verses we just read. So these things happened... And then the church grew. These things happened, and then the word of God spread rapidly in power. Okay? So the first thing is this. Uh, I'm going to give you six things that we will be as a church in 2019. So the first thing is this. We will, we will committed. That's terrible. Sorry, Charlie. We will committed. We will be committed to the right things. I was going to get an email later. <laughs> You're like, you know that second slide? I'm just kidding. I love how she does that. We will be committed to the right things. Acts 2.42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. The reason churches don't grow is because as they go on their journey, they start to get committed to the good ideas and not the God ideas. Yeah, yeah. And the Bible's very clear here what the God ideas are. He doesn't, it's not, I, I think it's hilarious when people come up to me and say, man, what's your vision? I'm like, have you read Acts? Chapter 2 says right here that they were devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and rose from the dead. And he'll come back for his bride. And that we should live for him. Very clear. It says very clearly that they devoted themselves to the fellowship. That word is koinonia. That's the word we get, community. That's where we get the idea of people doing life together. Life on life fellowship. We see here the, uh, to the breaking of bread, which we just did, and to the prayers. You'll notice in 2019, we are going to be committed to the right things. That word steadfast means to never quit, to never stop, to keep on going, to continue with something with courage, even when it gets hard, even when you get distracted, even when it be easy just to go, hey, let's start this, or let's do that, which I'm really used to doing. I just start new stuff, and just let's do this, and let's do that. In year three, what we're doing is we're saying, okay, we're only in year three going to do the thing. Things, devoted to the right things. We're going to be devoted to reaching lost people. We're going to be devoted to making disciples. We're going to be devoted to our groups. We're going to be devoted to our teams. We're going to be devoted to our next steps lunch and our grow process. We're going to be devoted to our Sunday gatherings and creating a space where not only believers can experience Jesus, but unbelievers can experience Jesus. The type of environment that when you go to church, you're no longer embarrassed to invite your friends to church because the pastor's not going to make them stand up and call them out, hey, you're new here today, or the music's not going to be terrible, or things won't be very uncomfortable. Our goal is 
is to create an environment where people can come saved, unsaved, Christian, unchristian, far from God, close to God, and be comfortable in the atmosphere of God. We want to commit ourselves to the right things, not just the good things. The God things, not just the good things. And so our, our year is going to be focused on those things. And there's a result. When the apostles, or when the people of God did this, look what the verse says in Acts 2, 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. So the result, awe, overwhelming sense that God is present in their lives. The result, signs and wonders, miracles, and regular displays of God's power. What was the result? No consumerism. They had everything in common. Everything that they owned in their life was someone else's. You'll notice in this verse, the scripture is not talking about having other people's needs in common, being helping one another. They were not talking about unbelievers. They were talking about the church. A lot of times churches want to help people who are outside the walls of the church, which, yes, we are all about. My goodness. We want to help as many people as we can, but we cannot neglect the people who are in the church. It's your responsibility to, rec it's your responsibility to help each other and to have no consumerism and say it's all about me and it's all about my experience and it's all about what I want and it's all about my possession. It's all about my journey. Yeah, there's a lot of it that's about that, but it's also about us together as a community, as a family, going forward in our journey and our walk with God. So there was no consumerism. There was an in incredible generosity. They sold their property and possessions to meet their needs, and again, in the church. And that, what was the result? There were commitments. They were committed to gathering together. They gathered together every day, every single day in the temple. <laughs> the statistics across Canada is that uh, the average Canadian goes to church two out of four times a month. Say, so, Ryan, why do we need to go to church on Sunday? Well, I believe going to church on Sunday is a result, and I'm just going to say it like I want to say it, because you guys know I love you. The result, I'll say it this way. It's a habit. It's a spiritual habit. Just like reading your Bible, just like praying, just like being at church on Sunday. I believe that in 2019, that church will be not something that you dread, but something that you want to be a part of. And yeah, there's, there's a point where it can be too much, and you're like, man, they just keep driving us to go to church all the time. But I really want to pray that this year that you'll really see the idea that they were committed to gathering with one another because when, when two or three are gathered in God's name, God is present and he commands a blessing. And you have to know that when you are not a part of it, when the body, people in the body are not a part of what God is doing, we're missing something. Yeah. So you think, oh, it doesn't really matter if I don't go to church or if I'm not a part of a team or I don't go to, it doesn't really matter. Actually, you have to know something. It does matter. Because right. if you're a part of the body, guys, you play a part in the body. And if you're not playing your part of the body, we are actually missing out on what God has given you to, to represent in this body. Right. So you actually have a valuable, valuable, valuable part to play. You might just think, well, I'm just in the back, or I'm just putting up a light, or I'm just showing up church. Listen, when you sit in that seat, trust me, I look around the room and something inside of me stirs with joy when I see you come to church because I know you're beginning to realize that it's not just about you, it's about the body. Don't think that your being here is worthless. Think you're being here. I have value here, and I have something to offer here, and I have something to give here, and I'm a part of this body, and I'm a part of this family. And when I come, man, people know I'm here, and it's great, and it's fun, and we want to create those environments for other people as well. The second thought here this morning. You guys okay? Yes. Just this section here. Okay. <laughs> Number two is that we will establish godly leadership structure and healthy organization of the church. Something very interesting happened that the Lord showed me in this verse in Acts chapter 6. Look at this. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing. So in those days, there, the church was growing. And this is actually specifically in one location. The church was growing. It says, The Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So you had a ministry at the church where he, uh, there was two types of uh, Jewish uh, sects, uh, groups of people, and each of those groups were, were taking care of their widows. And some of the widows were feeling neglected. So imagine a ministry in the church where we're taking care of widows or we're helping orphans, or, but it was inside the context of the church. 
It wasn't just outside the wall service. It was, there was a ministry in the church where they were helping widows and there was a growing frustration. Let me give you a, a, a pastoral encouragement. Whenever you start to get frustrated with your local church, recognize something's happening. The church is growing. And what the enemy wants to do, when you start to feel that frustration of, oh, this feels like a lot of work, or this feels like a lot of this, or you start to feel frustrated because maybe I haven't talked to the pastor in a while, or I haven't met my needs in a while, you start to feel frustrated, the devil capitalizes on those moments when really what's happening is the church is growing and God is wanting you to lean in even farther. Right. And so what it says here is that, look what it said in verse 2. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said it would not be right for us to neglect ministry of the word, and in some translations say, and prayer uh, of God, ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. I left a verse out there, but I'll tell it to you. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. And so what Paul did, or I'm sorry, the disciples did, is they gathered together and said, okay, get the church together. This is the only time this happens in the book of Acts, actually, where uh, Paul, or I'm sorry, the disciples, the 12 kind of leadership team, gathered everybody together and said, listen, it would not be morally right in the sight of God, it would not be right for the pastors of the church to wait on tables. It would not be right for the pastors of the church to be setting up the coffee. It just wouldn't be right for the pastor. I want you to, you know me, so you know I'm not saying I would do that. You know that. But scripturally, it teaches that there is something that happens when a church starts organically. We started as an organic body in our home with 25 people, and we had to move out of our house because Oliver kept dropping a camera on his head and bleeding everywhere. <laughs> There's so many kids in the house, we thought we got to get out of here. So organically, we've grown to a place where we have a consistent group of people. But what happens in the church is that it goes from organic group of believers to an organically organized group of believers. And in order for us to go to this next place where you'll hear tomorrow what that place is, what, that, what, what we believe God's saying, we have to understand that we have to have biblical leadership and biblical organization in the church. And what they did was they went and appointed a man. They said, go gather men, Stephen, and these individuals who are full of the Holy Spirit. They're full of integrity. Get those men, and now they will oversee. They will be team leaders over these areas of ministry. They will, they will oversee these areas of ministry so no longer the pastors and the leadership team doesn't have to do those things any longer. It'll be their passion. They're full of God. They'll lead this thing. And Stephen went, and Stephen didn't just lead that thing. Stephen preached the gospel. People got saved, so much so that they stoned the guy to death. And while he was being murdered, he looked up and saw Jesus and said, I see Jesus sitting on the throne. Meanwhile, they're throwing stones at the guy, killing him. This isn't just some regular kid. This guy was passionate for the kingdom of God. Right. And he's leading this team. Here's this guy who's one of the best, greatest evangelists in scriptures, and he's waiting on tables, distributing food to widows. That has to happen in our church. And we've been working diligently as a team to get to a place where we have a clear uh, organized leadership team and we have clear organized organic ministry happening in our church so we've instituted four things you've heard a lot about we talked about our Sunday gatherings we're focusing on reaching lost people we also want to see believers and followers of Jesus grow in their faith we've got our groups where we get together in groups we're launching some amazing groups a freedom group and a finance group and a ladies group and all these amazing groups in January we've got our team you're a part of that team and the point of our team is to make a difference and to see God move in people's lives and then we have our next steps and our growth process that's it that's our process in which we bring people on a journey in their walk with God but some people say Ryan why do we need structure and come on that's just for institutions church and that's just for corporate well you've obviously never read read acts chapter 6 because for us to go to the next place look what it says the word of God spread why did the word of God spread because the leaders recognize you know what it's not right for me to be setting up lights Peter and James said guys I just don't know if it's right for us to spending our time doing this I think we'd be better suited if I spent my time in ministry and in the word. And when that happened, when ministry leaders rose up, when people said, I want to be a part of the team, I want to be a part of what God's doing, man, I want to set up lights, or I want to be a part of a group, or I want to put out signs, or I want to be on the social media team, or I want to be a part of the local missions group, or I want to go into international missions, or I want to oversee the missions team, or I want to lead this, or I want, I'm passionate about that. When that happens, organization is required. The leaders have to step back and say, okay, we're going to stop doing that, but we're going to give it to you to lead it. You watch what happens. The word of God will spread, the number of disciples it will increase rapidly, and a large number of religious people are going to become saved. Amen. 
A lot of people who go to church, who profess Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but they're just as pharisaically religious and they're just as lost as people who don't know God. And they're going to find Jesus Christ in Love City Church because as a team, we said, man, we started growing. I started getting a little bit frustrated. And instead of getting angry, I said, I'm going to get on the team. I'm going to figure this thing out. I'm going to be a part of a team. I'm going to get involved here. I'm going to be a part of that. I'm going to give myself. I'm going to get a part of it. That's what will cause our church to grow in a healthy way. And it'll be fun to be a part of it. Sound good? All right. Let me show you the results of this. Pastors are able to focus on prayer and the word and discipleship. It's funny when people say, oh, you're a pastor. You probably pray and just read your word all day. I'm like, yeah, actually I did. (laughs) You say, whoa, wait a minute. Well, I do a lot of other things, but if I'm not praying and reading the word, there's a problem, right? You want your pastor reading the Bible and praying, right? (laughs) So that we can go where we need to go. It's important that I get to do that. But I only do that for like 20 minutes a week, so don't worry. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) The church takes responsibility for the health of its fellow believers. There was a clear leadership development in place. They were act, there, were, they, they, there were active team members, Stevens, or Stevenettes for you girls, and a team of people who did the work of ministry. They were meeting practical needs, coffee, pipe, and drape. You say, Ryan, how does that a practical need? Well, when someone comes in and they have a nice warm cup of coffee that doesn't suck, they think, wow, that's play. Okay, I like this. When someone comes to the room and says, okay, this, this is a nice looking room. I feel really comfortable here and the lights are nice and the music's quality and man, the, the speaking's like, they're, they're not like, you know, slapping me with the Bible, but they're giving me enough. Like, I feel comfortable with that. And man, I felt the presence of God. When people walk in this room and say, oh, what do you mean pipe and drape and lights? Listen, when you walk into a, a, a restaurant and the, the person serving you has a bunch of mustard on their face and they've got dirty stuff on their, their thing and their food specials are like nasty, are you going to eat there? And you probably say, oh, I'm going to go somewhere else but if it's nice and you walk in and I like this place and the person has mustard on their face and they're nice to you and they're kind it's the same thing for people who don't know God they come into an environment and we create a comfortable environment for people so that they can experience the presence of Jesus Christ and these are practical needs that we can meet yes we can help widows yes we're going to help orphans yes we're going to help those who are hungry yes we're going to do all those things too but these are some practical ways in which we right now can do those things and lastly they were meeting practical needs i'm sorry they new salvations new converts true disciples were increased and religious people found jesus i'm actually really happy i can talk like this because i know you all know my heart mm-hmm. right yes <laughs> man jeez you guys are Actually, Pastor Darrell, I was like, your church doesn't talk to you very much, do you? I'm like, no, they're not talkers, really. I wouldn't mind it, but whatever. We're not Americans. You're not Americans. (laughs) All right, number three. We will not allow our culture to determine who we are or who we become as a church. Look at this. Acts 12, 1 to 4. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church. Just for no reason, he had intended to persecute them. (laughs) He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. When he saw that this met the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread, and after arresting him, he put, it, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So here's the church, and the church is being persecuted because it's making the, the culture and the society happy that the church who is standing up for their truth, standing up for their value, is being persecuted. And this is crazy huge across the world today, especially in North America. Well, less persecution, more not allowing you to say what biblical values are without being persecuted. Now, we don't get stoned here. We just get, people get mad at us on social media. (laughs) In other countries, they get their heads chopped off and nailed to a cross and... I just read a, a, about a girl, a young Muslim girl, I think she was 14 years old, refused to have sex with this Muslim man, and she said, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm a follower of Jesus. And they cut her arms off, and they cut her feet off, and they nailed her to a cross. And that's persecution. And so that puts it into perspective when we say, okay, we're going to stand up for a position on, we believe about, you know, what our position on homosexuality is what our position is on different hot topics. Say, right, don't go there. Come on, we just want to make sure, you know, everybody's, we need to understand that the Bible teaches very clearly about these things. I'm not concerned about growing a church through being popular. I'm concerned about growing a church that makes Jesus happy and honors the word of God. 
We're going to do a series this next year. We have our 2019 sermon calendar already written for the whole next year. The Holy Spirit can change it up if he wants, but he gave it to me, so maybe he can change it up. One of them I'm going to do is called, it's called You Asked For It. We're going to do a poll in the church and say, what are the four hottest, to- four hottest topics you want to talk about? And we're going to talk about it on Sunday. You say, Ryan, are you doing that because you want to grow the church? Nope. Are you doing that because you want to like, get lost people in here and you want to just like, you know, tell them the truth? No, I'm doing that because I want believers to understand a biblical standard, a biblical value of what we would believe the biblical perspective would be. We cannot expect unbelievers to have a truth. They, we cannot expect unbelievers to look at the Bible and, and agree with its philosophy. We cannot expect unbelievers to hear our position on different moral standards and say, you know, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense because this book is our foundation of truth. So if I sit with you for a moment and say, okay, what, where do you get your truth from? And you don't say the Bible, there's a problem in your walk with God. If your truth is experience, if your truth is culture, if your truth is anywhere else other than this Bible, I'm telling you today, as a pastor, I love you. You need to consider your walk with Jesus Christ. Because the Bible is the only thing that gives us a standard for truth. Saying that, are we going to go out and pick fights with people? <laughs> no. Are we going to go out and make sure everyone knows the truth of God's word? No. Jesus says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. So how can I expect someone in your neighborhood to understand my position on a biblical standard when they're not even a follower of God? So my role is to love them, to care for them. Ryan, what's your position on homosexuality? Are you a follower of Jesus? No, I'm not. Man, I just love you. Well, what's your position? Well, my position is based on the Bible. You don't believe the Bible, so my position is I just love you. And I love your partner. And I play blessing over your life. But the moment they become a follower of Jesus Christ, the moment they they submit themselves to King Jesus, and this becomes their mandate, that's when you have a conversation about truth. That will be our position as a church in 2019. Now, I'm not going to go out and write a bunch of series just to piss people off, tick people off, for those who are offended by that word. So legalistic. We want to make sure that our position is love, and we will not allow the culture to determine. So one of the areas where we can adjust with culture is, man, people don't want to go sit in a church service for two and a half hours and sing 18 songs and have people laying on the floor everywhere, or maybe some do, but laying on the floor and hanging from the chandeliers and just, you know, woo, you know, doing this whole thing. Like, like, let's just be real honest with you. There's not a lot of people in our culture who want to go into a church service like that. So what do we do? We create modern environments for them. We have 70-minute services on the dot. We we'll try our best. Right? We've been doing pretty good. Daryl went way over, but that was okay. <laughs> We create environments that, that are with the culture to say, okay, the culture can't sit there to our service and the culture doesn't, you know, these are songs we're singing that are super for Christians, so maybe we shouldn't sing that song all the time. And, you know, even our communion, that's why we do our communion at team night because when people come to church on Sunday, they don't understand what we're doing. And so we try to do it in a believer's gathering where believers can understand it. So when it comes to culture, we try to understand the way we can engage culture, the way we can go with the flow of culture, the way we can uh, impact culture without substituting our standard in God's word. Statistics show 73% of churches across Canada, 73% of churches who stand uh, compared to a a church that has liberal values versus uh, traditional values, 73%, I'm sorry, I think it said 73% of churches who become a progressive church shrink down to less than 80 people in less than five years. Churches that grow are churches that continue to hold the Bible as their primary source of truth. So that will be our position, okay? Sound good? good? And let's just say what happened. God did a mighty mighty miracle and defended his church <laughs> look at this then herod went to judas judea caesarea and stayed there and he had been quarreling with the people of tyre and sidon and they now joined together and sought an audience with him and after securing the support of blastus a trusted personal servant of the king they asked for peace because they defended uh, they depended on king's country for the food supply and on the appointed day herod wearing his royal robe sat on the throne and delivered a public address to the people and they shouted this is the voice of god done a man and immediately because herod did not give praise to god an angel of the lord struck him down and he was seen eaten by worms and died but the word of god continued to spread and flourish 
So when we have a bunch of people looking at what we stand for and say, oh, that's not right, and that doesn't make sense, and that doesn't make me feel very good, say, I love you, and I love you for who you are, but this is my position, guess what? If we continue to stand upon the word of God as our truth, the word of God will spread powerfully, and he will take care of the individuals who try to attack his church. Number four, we will be a people who prays corporately and regularly. Acts 12, when he saw that uh, this met the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also, and this happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handed him over to be guards by four squads. We read that. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover, so Peter was kept in prison. But look at this, the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Now, if you've never read this story, it's a pretty cool story. Peter was in prison, shackled hands and feet, four guards upon, uh, on him, and all of a sudden a man showed up, and he stood and said, get up, Peter. And Peter stood up. The shackles fell off his feet. He walked right through the guards, right through the prison, right out the door, right out the gate, walked all the way out until he finally realized, oh my goodness, this was an out-of-the-world, out-of-this-planet miracle of God. Like, I just got saved in an incredible way. He goes to the gate, walks to the church front door, knocks on the door, and this little girl named Rhoda comes up, opens the door, and goes, ah! She shuts the door, goes back in and says, guys, guys, stop praying! And they're just like, God, we just pray in the name of Jesus. Right now, would you release Peter by the power of God's name? Get the Bibles out of it. They're going to town. They're going nuts. They're praying. Knock, knock, knock. Hey, guys, it's Peter! Oh, there's no Peter at the door, Rhoda. You're just a little kid. Go back to your Netflix show. Just be quiet. And they just, and then they, right now, God, right now, would you do a miracle? They're going crazy. And Peter's standing at the front door. <laughs> then they open the door, and there's Peter. And he walks, and he tells them the whole story. If we can commit ourselves to praying regularly and corporately, God will do mighty, out of this world, out of this planet, miracles through That's our right. church. That's why we've decided as a leadership team to bring our Pursue Nights back and instead of doing them twice a month, we're going to do them every single Wednesday night from 7 to 8 p.m. right here in this room. Don't come expecting lights and frillies. It's just going to be that room, maybe even a TV with YouTube worship. Hallelujah. So James doesn't have to do it every week. And we're going to pray for the church. And believe as we pray earnestly, Lost people are going to be saved. Miracles are going to happen. Finances are going to be restored. Marriages are going to be made new. Physical bodies are going to be restored. That when you come to church on Sunday, you're going to sense, man, God is up to something good in this place. And it won't happen, guys. You will need to hear me. This won't happen. God won't use you. God won't use this church. God won't use us if we don't pray. If you don't pray on a regular basis, I'm here today as your loving pastor who, like, I literally pray, like, on my hands and knees every, almost every day for each and every one of you. Praying that you would experience the everything that God has for your life. When the Bible says in Acts 2.42 that they were committed to the prayers, they were actually saying they were committed to the, Jew, the, the Jewish prayers they did five, day, five times a day like Muslims do. Uh, Jews prayed five times a day just like Muslims did. And the, the heart behind that statement isn't that they would just be committed to prayer, but that you would be committed to praying five times a day. So much so that, and I, I get there's a legalistic component to this, so I am not that person. But there was a, a, a nuance to this thought that when they came to church on Sunday, they were challenging one another saying, hey, have you been praying in your life? Have you been doing your prayers? Have you been getting on your hands and knee like, like, like Daniel did in front of the open thing and get on his hands and knees and pray for the word of God to come? Have you been spending time in prayer with God? I want you to hear me again as your pastor. If you are not praying and if you are not reading your word, that's the reason you feel so empty and dry and disconnected and lost and you don't know what to do with your life. You don't know where to go. Why you feel frustrated at this or frustrated at that or you feel lonely or broken or hurting. It's because the only way for you to accurately live this life that God God has given you is if you actually have a relationship with him through reading his word and spending time talking to God. If you're not doing that, I'm going to say it like I want to say it. You need to ask yourself this question. Am I truly a disciple of Jesus Christ? Because listen, I I don't want to be legalistic because I'm the worst. I'm not the worst person when it comes to Bible reading plans. (laughs) I'm the worst person when it comes to getting up at 5 a.m. and praying for 14 hours like Bassie does. (laughs) Just kidding, girl. 
We have to be people who are committed to prayer. I will commit myself to pray. Listen, if you don't pray at all, start by praying once a day for 60 seconds. And you watch what happens. You'll feel this like, whoa, like, man, I've been praying for 60 seconds, and so now I've got go, to go say. The Bible says, pray with words that cannot be uttered. Begin to speak in your spiritual language. Ryan, I don't speak in a spiritual language. I don't speak in tongues. The Bible says to earnestly seek those gifts. And so we're committed to this in 2019, and from the rest of our churches in existence, until Jesus comes home, we will pray every week at our church corporately. I want to repent as your pastor. We took prayer off of, our doc, off of our schedule for three months. And guess what? Our church grew by 20% in the last 18. We've been 90 to 100 people in the last uh, 10 weeks consistently. That means our church has grown. You know what that means? That we can grow a church without prayer. And that scares me. So I repent as your pastor for letting it be about this stuff and not us seeking the face of God. Because I don't want to just play church. I want to see God do something significant through us in this church and reach as many people for Christ as we can. Yeah. And if I remove that from our schedule and from who we are, God, forgive me. So I'm sorry. And I'm committed to praying every week and I'll be here every week praying because I believe that if we don't pray corporately and we don't pray together and if you don't learn to pray, you're not going to make it. You're going to fall by the wayside in your journey with God. You won't make it. Hear me, you won't make it. And so in 2019, we're going to pray. I'm going to bang through this next thing here. Gosh, I'm such a crybaby. <laughs> Number five. We want to be and will be a spirit-filled and spirit-led church. I'm specifically talking about prophetic and speaking in tongues. Now, we are not a denominational church, which means that we don't hold doctrinal positions saying it's only about that. It's not only about speaking in tongues, and it's not only about the prophetic, because there's like 28 gifts to pray about. But look at this verse. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus, and there he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they're Christians. Well, they said, no, we've not even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, well, what baptism did you receive? Well, I got baptized into John. Well, John's baptism was a, was a baptism of repentance, but he told the people to believe in the one who's coming after him, and that is Jesus. And on hearing, hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord. So they were, they were Christians. They didn't even know about water baptism. So they got water baptized into the, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then it says that Paul placed his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. Now, I know for a fact, many people in this room are like, Ryan, I don't know what that means, tongues, prophecy. Like, I'm kind of new to this, and so I hope to be able to introduce you to it. But for those of you who've been in the church for a while would understand that these are powerful moves of God. I've, I've prophesied, I speak in tongues, I have the gift of speaking in tongues. You say, Ryan, that's kind of weird. Well, it is a little bit weird, I'll give you that. But 1 Corinthians 13 says that if you speak in the language of angels, Paul's referring to speaking in tongues. He says, but you don't have love. You're just like a clanging cymbal or gong. We will be a people who will pursue the prophetic and pursue the gift of speaking in tongues because Paul said, listen, I speak in tongues more than anyone else does and I encourage you to stir up your most holy faith. Paul's taught often about this idea of this gift but it won't be weird <laughs> and it won't be us being charismatic freaks. I know it's recorded so I'll take that out later. Weirdos, crazies, that's not us. We're a healthy, balanced people who will continue to allow the word of God keep us in check. But I want to really encourage you to understand that this is what God did when the church, when God began to move on the people, when they were water baptized, he laid his hands on them, they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. They were spirit-led, and they were spirit-filled. We will be people who live prophetically, think prophetically, act prophetically, parent prophetically, and we'll be people who stir up our most holy faith when we don't know who to pray for or how to pray. We say, okay, here we go, and we turn ourselves. There's a reason why I don't speak in tongues of the mic because it's not for you. That's between me and the Lord. Prophecy is for you. 
And so we'll be a people who do that, and I don't have time to go into it. I want to get to the last one because our huddles are going to be like 10 minutes, and all the teams are going to hate me. <laughs> last one, which is probably not the most important, but really important that you understand. I really want you to pay attention to the verses we're about to read because it's very, very important you understand what it means to be a part of this team. We will not forget that this is a spiritual battle. Acts 19, 17, 19, 19, some Jews went around driving out evil spirits, tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. And they would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. And seven sons of Sceva, Jewish chief priests, were doing that. And one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, but I don't know who the heck you are. The man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all and gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. And when this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done, and a number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly, and when they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of God spread widely and grew in power. We have to anticipate and expect a passive church is not attacked by the devil. This week, Bassie and I pray every, every week, and Bassie and I prayed, and we went into a deep place of prayer for our leadership team. We began to push back the forces of darkness, and guess what? Literally within 30 minutes, I got super sick, and I've been sick for days. Been feeling out of it and gross, and I've been angry and upset and frustrated. My wife's laughing because I've just been a terrible dad this week, guys. <laughs> terrible father, angry, frustrated, anxious, upset, and it was the moment we went to town on the devil. He said, oh, yeah? <laughs> I've been sick. I've been feeling gross. I haven't slept. Like, fr fr Thursday, Friday night, I slept for like one hour. I lay in bed. Don't know why I can't sleep. This devil's been attacking me. Why? Because I know this is a spiritual battle. He wants to attack you, too. Look at this verse in Ephesians 6. This is our last verse and then we'll break out into groups. Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you'll be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Your hand-to-hand -hand combat is not with human beings but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms for they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so you're protected as you confront the slanderer. For you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. Put on the truth as a belt to strengthen you to stand in triumph. And put on holiness as the protective armor that covers your heart. And stand on your feet alert. And then you'll always be ready to share the blessings of peace. And in every battle, take faith as your, as your wraparound shield. For it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies and take the mighty razor-sharp sword, spirit sword of the spoken word of God and pray passionately in the spirit as you consistently intercede in the spirit. Paul is referencing speaking in tongues. As you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times, pray the blessings of God upon all his believers. We are in a spiritual battle. When you come in here and set up these lights, you think they're just lights. No, we're in a spiritual battle. You come and set a light up. You play a, a part of the kids' team. You're in the nursery. You're in a spiritual battle. You're outside putting signs out in the snow. Thank God you're out there doing that. It's a spiritual battle. You come to prayer on Wednesday night. It's a spiritual battle. You go to a group and begin to seek God. That's a reason why every time a group comes, you get tired and don't want to go. It's a spiritual battle. You think you're here, just going to walk through life without challenges and the enemy attacking you? You need to realize it's a spiritual battle. And he's out to kill. He's out to destroy you. He's out to take from you. And if you don't stand up and begin to realize, I'm in a spiritual battle, well, guess what? Not only are we victorious, but guess how we are victorious? Together. As one. You try to isolate yourself and get outside the body of Christ, what happens is, I believe the covering of God. You step outside that covering, what happens is you're out on the battlefield by yourself. Why not stand shoulder to shoulder with brothers and sisters who love you and say, we're in this spiritual battle together. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Let me pray for you. Lord, as we end our time tonight, God, we just recognize that, Father, in 2019, you want your church to grow. You don't want your church to grow because it looks good on Instagram. <laughs> you don't want your church to grow because it, it, it thousand people in the city of Calgary who are destined to spend an eternity in hell. 
You want your church to grow because, God, you've called each person here. You've placed the members in the body. And, Lord, you've given us spiritual gifts. And we each in this room have a part to play to taking down the forces of darkness that stand against so many of our loved ones and our family and our friends and our coworkers. You want your church to grow. And Lord, today we accept Lord, the challenge, we, we receive like good stewards the responsibility of lost people and people who are far from you and followers of Jesus in this city. We as a team say, God, we are on mission together to reach as many people as we can. This isn't just about my gift or my ministry or my way or my experience. It's about our family and our community and our local church and us doing this together. Lord, we commit to these six things. We commit to do them. We believe that as we do them, God, that you will cause the word of God to spread mightily, rapidly, and in mighty power. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.